listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. And one of the things that, that's so vital... Last week, we did a series on never-ending victory. This week, we're doing a series on understanding your divine dominion. But no matter what you know, what issue that we're talking about, whether it be never-ending victory, whether it be dominion, whether it be breakthrough, it doesn't matter because what you've got to have, if you're going to see any of those things, is consistency in your faith, blind faith, never-ending consistency. And uh, you were looking in the Word, even at the story of... Uh, the walls of Jericho. Oh yeah. Talk a yeah. little bit about what the Lord was speaking to you. It was, it's, it's, I love the story of Jericho. I think we all do, but it's, it's interesting that for seven days mm-hmm. they do the same exact thing. And never one time did they get a pat on the back. You don't see them doubt. You don't see them question. Well, Hey, maybe we should just not do this. Maybe we should attack the walls instead. Right. You never see a shift and a change in what they were doing. Yep. And how many believers about halfway through anything, they get discouraged. They, they start wondering. They start looking for another sign or, or a confirmation that they're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. But even think about, so there's that. You think about Noah, 60 to 100 years, this man's <laughs> building a boat. And never a drop of rain. Never a drop of rain. People Doesn't, calling him crazy. We don't see in the scriptures where it's like, hey, Noah, you're doing a good job. I'm really proud of you. This is the right direction. You right. never see any of that. But you see a boat built for, for a flood that had never happened before because there had never no. been rain. And no sign of a flood no coming. No sign of a flood coming. And then you see walls of Jericho come falling on day seven right. when there was no sign of the walls falling No ever cracks before. in the walls. Nothing. No little earthquake tremors. Nothing before that. But it was their consistent blind belief that yeah. God would do what he said he would do. Isn't it funny how like when you see somebody get a miracle or if you see somebody uh, get a breakthrough or receive a blessing, everybody's like, man, that that that, that was a suddenly moment. God oh, just moved on oh them suddenly. Goodness. And we all look at the, at the moment of breakthrough and they say, wow, God moved so quickly in his life. But what you don't see behind the scenes is the study of the word, the prayer, the right. praise, the you know, the giving, the faithfulness, and all those things add up. You know, your cloud, you have to make sure your cloud is full. If you've never heard that term before, the Bible says, and in due season, you will reap if you faint not. That's, That's what he's it. talking about. Don't faint. Don't the Bible says it this way: don't grow weary in well-doing. Don't grow weary in well-doing. For in due season, well, how you know it's interesting is that you can determine due season by your faithfulness, because we've been talking about never-ending victory. If you understand that everything you release from your life is a seed, all of those seeds are preparing harvests for you, and you're creating your due season by your faithfulness and by your consistency. That's right. And so we always look at the other side of it. It's like when everybody says, well, he was an overnight success. Yeah. He was an overnight success, sure. And spent 20, it it makes me laugh because the guys that just somehow pop on the scene that are overnight successes have been busting it, trying to get best at everything that they do, working on their skills, working on maybe their product, if they're selling a product, whatever it is. It's just that we just found out about them. (laughs) 
Not that they did one thing and turned into a success. It's that we just now recognize them. But it's their faithfulness, it's their consistency that brings that thing to pass. Yeah, and it's interesting because like when when somebody knows, like let's say you have a rich uncle mm-hmm. and you know you're you're written into the will, you know you have your inheritance coming. No, I've never seen anybody like that where they're like, well, you know, I'm not sure if my rich uncle is actually going to fulfill what he did. So I'm going to go do my own thing. I'm going to... Nobody does that. Or if you knew for without a shadow of a doubt you were going to win the lottery, like someone gave you insider information about the numbers and you put it in, and, and nobody would be like, well, I'm just not sure. Maybe I should back out of it. Maybe I shouldn't try. Maybe I, I don't believe it. You don't see that at all with things in the world where it's a, quote, guarantee. Mm-hmm. But people question God all the time. Sure. And really, like, faith is seeing into the future. Yep. Right? When when you can know in faith, they knew on day seven those walls were going to fall. No one knew that that God was going to flood the earth. Absolutely. When, when you can see into the future, there's no reason to flip-flop or go on that roller coaster. Yeah. What I've seen a lot of people do, and probably you as well, is people will roller coaster based upon maybe there's like a really good church service and they're like, yeah, I got my faith back. Yeah. And then it'll be a day or two and they'll drop back down or then they'll read in their word and something good will happen. And it's a roller coaster type faith. Mm-hmm. But if it's if it's truly faith, it's not built on on our emotions. It's not built on our circumstances. It's not built on if things are good or bad. It's not built on any of those things. It's it's simply believing. It's counting God faithful. Right. The one who promised. Right. Like Sarah did in Hebrews 11, 11, she counted him faithful to do what he said he would do. And that's where we really see a major issue, I think, is that roller coaster type faith. Right. Where, well, I'm, I'm jazzed <laughs> up. I'm ready to go. And then it'll drop off based on circumstances. Well, it's interesting too. I mean, anybody that that um, that is successful at anything. I mean, take for example something you do often is you you get into the gym and work out. But one of the things you realize is nobody works out once. No. And then looks in the mirror and says, "Well, nothing's changing. No. So I'm done with this. No. <laughs> they understand that it's the faithful consistency over a period of time that's it. that brings the result that they want. That's it. Same thing is true if you look at a diet. If somebody's dieting, they don't diet for one day, look in the mirror and say, diets don't work. I look exactly the that's same. literally what I do. <laughs> uh, I do that, but I'm just saying, uh, no, m- normal people don't. But you think about it. People that are successful in dieting or working out, they know, what do they know? That if I'll stay consistent that's and it. if I'll stay faithful on this path, it will produce the, the result that I want. There's Brad Strobel, my friend. Um, but but check this out. Here's the other thing about it. We know that in the natural realm, but in the spirit, people treat it like it's different. That's true. They think, well, because he's God, it should happen tomorrow. It should happen the next. I should <laughs> right. see it. And they don't understand the power of faithful consistency. Faithful consistency. Right. And what do people, here's, now here's a key for those of you that are listening on the podcast or watching live. Interesting thought. Here's a key. What do people do who are maybe working out or dieting to keep themselves motivated? One of the things they do 
is they'll put a picture up on their in their locker or in yep. the on the mirror in their car and they look at that picture. Maybe you have a goal. Maybe you found somebody who has the same body type as you that's really built. You say, man, I want to look like this dude. But you keep that picture up and you're constantly looking. That's good. Why do you think people do before and after pictures on their phone? They, they tell you. Anybody that does this uh, on a consistent basis tells you, take consistent pictures of yourself. Because you live with yourself on a yep, daily you basis. Can't see it. So you don't see the changes. But if you'll take a picture, a snapshot every week of where you're at. And then if you go back week after week, you say, oh man, I see the change. I can see the change. And But you're not stopping because you have an end picture that you're pointing at. And the same is true with dieting or working out. But what is our picture uh, for those of us that are doing it in the spirit? Looking like the word says we should look. That's why you keep the word in front of your face. That's good. That's why God told Joshua, he said, take this book of the law, don't let it depart from your mouth, right. but also meditate on it day and night. If I'm meditating on it, that means I'm constantly imagining, what should I look like? What should this make me, uh, how, how should this make me change? How should this make me better? And I'm meditating. This is what I'm going to look like when I'm totally healed. This is what I'm going to look like when I'm delivered. This is what I'm going to look like when my relationships are restored. And, and you keep that in front of your eyes. And that's your picture that you're shooting for, but you stay faithful until you see it come to pass. That's true. And if you if you look through Deuteronomy chapter six, bind them to your hand, yeah. put them as blinders to your eye, put them on your fence, put them on your doorpost. So often it, we look at like our emotions, the, the situations, and we determine it. We must only be determined by the word of God. That's the standard. And that's it. That's the standard of our life. And we see so many times that where we'll measure against other people. Yep. Like we can't measure against other people because we don't know what they're going through. Yeah. Like, you don't like comparing yourselves among yourselves. You're unwise. The Bible says it's foolishness. The word of God is our guideline, period. Yeah. And having that laid out is perfect. Like, man, I know, I know somebody right now they're dealing with, with cancer. Nobody knows they're dealing with cancer and they'll get the phone call from the doctor and the doctor would be like, well, back a while ago, the doctor would be like, well, you know, it's really not looking good. It's very unhealthy. It, it could be six months and you're dead. And they'd hang up the phone and be like, well, that's not my story. I, right. know, I know what the Bible said. And they're in the word. They're like all day, every day listening to, uh, man, it was Kenneth Copeland's wife who, mm. yeah. Uh, who, John, who's the, who's John the wife? Osteen's wife, John Osteen's mm. wife, just continuous listening. Right. Dodie Osteen. Dodie Osteen putting out. She was messages. diagnosed with cancer decades ago and yeah. told she would die decades ago. That's right. And her husband was strong as a horse. He's gone and has gone and to be with the Lord and she's still alive. <laughs> she's still on, sitting on the front row of Lakewood church when it's open and, and giving God praise on the front row in her nineties. I think she's yeah. 91 she's or something old. like that. But you got to surround yourself with the word. That's faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. That's right. We're so full of everything else mm -hmm. that it's easy to give up our faith because we see everything else. Yeah. Well, everything else is the focus. I was, I was reading in Psalm 101 this morning. I'll, it even said, I'll remove all evil from my eye. Yeah. Man, how many times do we look at things that negate what God has said? Yep. Why even look at it? What's the point of looking at it? If right. it's not going to build your faith, yeah. why consume it? Exactly. Like if it's going to destroy that diet, why consume it? Why partake of it? Yeah. There's even... Wasn't it interesting, uh, not to cut you off, right, but good, you good. think about 
in this same context, when Pete, what are, what are some of the things, if you compare this to a natural diet, one of the things they tell you is just stop buying the food oh, yeah. that puts you in that position. Don't have little Debbie cakes in your pantry. It's much easier to not fall into temptation so when you true. don't give place to temptation. It's so true. So the first thing they tell you, if you're going to get serious, throw all your junk food away. Get it out. And when you buy food at the store, only buy the things that align themselves with your diet. Just literally buy your diet food. Yeah. That's it. Because the problem is, if it's there, it's easy to look at. And if it's easy to look at, it's easy to touch. And if it's easy to touch, it's easy to take. And that's the problem, is that people do not surround themselves. He said, I'll not allow any evil into my eyes. Well, if it's not around, I can't see it. So why would I put myself into a position that I can see all the things that I shouldn't be doing, see all the things that I shouldn't have, and put myself in the position of temptation? I keep myself out of those environments you understand? It's like it's like when somebody even in the, you know you don't have to be a, a spiritual juggernaut to understand no. that principle. <laughs> people easy. that people that aren't even saved, they tell you if you've been uh, if you go to like AA and you've gotten out of um, you're a recovering alcoholic, you don't hang out at bars anymore. No, you don't hang out with people that are drinking all the time. Why? Because you're getting out of that environment. You've been changed, and now you're staying free from that. That's common sense, but it's true in the spirit realm. 100%. What you see, what you hear, who you're around, all of those things are wildly important to your faith. If it's not going to build your faith in your end goal, why is it a part of your life? Exactly. I think we really have to have to question that. Why is this a part of my life if it's not a part of what God has called me to do in the end place? One of the hardest things for people to do is to cut things out of life. Oh, yeah. Joseph said, I don't throw it away. I just eat it first. Don't want to waste the money. <laughs> Smart. That's stewardship. Buy it for the kids. That's and then stewardship. It, you got to lead by example. Um, but think about how hard it is. We A couple of days ago, I dealt with, we talked about um, relationships that will destroy you. Oh, yeah. Imagine how hard it is for people to cut out relationships from their lives that have been there for any period of time. Maybe you went to high school with that person. You know, you've been friends for a long time and you think to yourself, well, he's been my buddy for a long time. Dude, but the problem is he real. has zero desire to go where you're going in Christ, has zero desire to obey the word, yep. to be saved, has zero desire to please the Lord with his actions. What kind of a relationship can we have? Because this is my best friend we're talking about, God in heaven, the Holy Spirit. And he's leading me to be like Jesus. If I got another dude that's trying to link himself up with me, and pull me away from pleasing God. How can we have a? It would be like it would be my, be like me and you if we had been friends for a long time, and we are so tight. But you keep telling me how, how you know your Ted, your wife is trash, bro. Your <laughs> wife is trash. You know you you. I, I think she's. Right. I don't think you need to. If she tells you to do something, you don't need to do it. You don't. Hey, I to, think don't, Carolyn would kill me. Right. But I mean, imagine that because that's my best friend on the earth. Yeah. And here's another friend that I've been friends with for a long time that's pulling me away from my covenant relationship yeah. with my wife. Well, what kind of, what, imagine this, what kind of relationship do you think that my, I'm going to have with my wife if I continue to entertain this? Because if I continue to entertain this and I don't get angry and cut it off, it means I kind of agree with what he's saying. If I don't get that's angry true. and cut this off, that's it means, true. you know what? He's kind of right, you know. She, you know, she's she, not all. She does suck sometimes. You yeah, know? and and so what? what? What am I? That's what I'm doing. Just by entertaining it, 
I'm saying, well, he's probably partially right. Yeah. And the same thing is true. If you get around people who completely displease the Lord with their lives, but you continue to tightly interact with them, you say, well, you know what they're doing is not so bad. And I, I can say, and Paul gave the instruction, do not be unequally yoked right. with an unbeliever. What relationship can there be between light and darkness, between Christ and the devil? And so imagine how hard it is though for people that have been connected with somebody since high school or middle school. Oh, oh, that's been my, no, that's been my buddy. And then they don't understand the boundaries. It's rough. But you have to ask, like, what's worse? Sacrificing this current level of relationship. Not saying you have to, like, Cut them disown off completely. them. No. Come, like, you still need to set the example sure. for, for, for Jesus, for salvation, obviously. But what's worse? Sacrificing this level of relationship with someone who's going to pull you from your eternal destiny. Right. Or having to stand in front of God one day and explaining why you didn't reach... Your, your eternal, what God had called you to do. Why you never hit the goal in faith or, simply because you didn't want to cut off a relationship. What's worse, sacrifice or regret? Or, or what's worse, what happens to most people? They get around those people, never cut the relationships off and get pulled back into they that do. lifestyle. Then you'll stand do. before God and he'll say, I never knew you. Depart from me, worker of iniquity. Yeah, Hebrews 10, it says, but we are not those who regress. And that's, Man, that's where I was going to go. We're those that 10. push forward. And we got to be people that push forward. Let's if, read that passage. I love that passage. I think it's like the last verse. 35 passage, through right? 39. Is, yeah. I like to read all four. Listen to this. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great, great reward. This is Hebrews 10, 35 through 39. Do not throw away your confidence, which is great reward. For you have need of endurance. One translation says patience. So that when you have done the will of God, you'll receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and won't delay. But my righteous ones shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Look at verse 39. But we are not of those that shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. That's the key right there, is that we have patient endurance. We just keep on, yep. keep on, keep on, pressing towards the mark. We're always pressing towards the mark, the high calling in yep. Christ Jesus. And there's there's definitely some temptations. Of course. It, like some, I've seen a lot of people, they'll question, well, did I even hear God? Right. Well, I'm not even sure if that was God. I was excited about it to start, but I'm not even sure anymore. Yeah. Which is foolishness. It's foolish because it's not your flesh that's excited. No. Your flesh hates the things of the spirit, the Bible says. Foolishness to the flesh. The flesh wars against the spirit, Galatians 5, 17. It's not your flesh that loves the things of God. And it's not your mind if your mind's not renewed. That's right. It has to be your spirit, man, that connected with God's spirit and felt the rush of faith. That's right. It has to be. Just by, uh, you know, um, process of elimination. It's not my flesh, not yeah. the devil that's excited about me getting Definitely with God. Not. It's not demons. It's not my flesh. It's not my unrenewed mind. So what is it? It's my spirit connecting to Christ's spirit. That's it. That's it's all good. it could be. It's good. Man. Listen, listen to Galatians 6, 9 real quick before you do that. Listen to this. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. That's it. That's the key. And I think a lot of people struggle because they don't know the due season, right? Like, Walls of Jericho, they knew the due season. It was day seven. And sometimes you do know exactly if, the moment. If you, you know believe what it, it has to happen. If you believe it, <laughs> That's right? The thing, if you believe it. There's, there's people like, because most people think that things should break down in a progression. 
Yeah. Day one, the top will fall off. Day two, the middle parts will start to crack. Day three, the middle parts will fall off. You know, yeah. they no, think things are going to break through in a progression. That's good. But what if God just breaks you through all at once on the final moment? Right. And it happens. And you got to know your instruction. And I think that's the difference is you need to know your instruction. I think there's only one time we make an adjustment in faith. And that's to make sure we're still in the right place we were supposed to. Mm-hmm. Like we never change our confession. We never go back. We never any of those things. All we do in our, to ever change is make sure we are in the right place. Yeah. That's it. Like it, it's so true. Don't change your confession. You don't know the due season. Noah did not know his due season. He knew it Daniel, was closer. Daniel didn't know his due season. That's true. Daniel chapter 10, everybody likes to talk about a 21-day fast because they call it a Daniel fast. Yeah. But Daniel was... was not planning to do a 21-day fast. He was ready to fast until he got his answer. Until further notice. Could have been 60 <laughs> days. Could have been 120 days. Could have been three years. Yeah. He didn't know. He was just going to pray and fast until the breakthrough, the answer came. But it just happened to come on the 21st day. That's good. But notice that he was willing to go and go and go and go until the answer came. And he did. And he got his answer. That's what we're talking about. You sit there and you press and press and press. Um, You made a point the other day. I think it was you telling me this. Wasn't it you that gave, told me about the uh, people that survived the pris- prisoner of yeah. war camps? Yeah. Think about this. <clears throat> he was listening to a podcast recently, and they were talking about people that were taken as prisoners of war. And uh, the guy that was talking was a, a previous prisoner of war? No, he wasn't. They did he, some he, he did a study on it. it. Okay. Study. Tell him what they said. It was interesting. They said in, in Vietnam and, and most prisoner of war situations that the people that did not survive are those who would set a date on the calendar. They'd be like, well, Mother's Day. If I'm out by Mother's Day, if I can last until Mother's Day, I'll be fine. And then they'd, they'd bump it back. Well, Memorial Day and then 4th of July. And then if I can make it to Labor Day, if I can make it to, no, to Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, Christmas, they wouldn't make it. He said eventually they'd become so discouraged that they'd give up. But the ones that made it, over like largely overwhelming were the ones who said they can't take my dignity they can't take my humanity they can do anything to me and they can't steal my joy because it didn't come from them that is those are the guys that made it where it didn't matter the circumstance didn't matter the date on the calendar they knew they had something that couldn't be stolen from them right and imagine that thought though i mean those aren't even christians i mean i mean we don't we don't know but you think about the fact that they're soldiers not necessarily Christians, but just men who said, those that have me in captivity can't steal my joy. That's so good. Can't steal my peace, can't steal my humanity, can't steal my dignity. So what they were essentially saying was, it doesn't matter if I'm here for the rest of my life. I will not be stolen from. My joy will not be taken. My peace will not be taken. My humanity, my dignity will not be taken from me. I don't care if I spend the rest of my life in this prison camp and die here. I am. I, I have my dignity. I have my humanity. I have my joy. It was those people that made it through. What what he was saying was other the other people would lose heart and get, commit heart. suicide. Yeah. They would kill themselves. Think about this. They would they didn't get killed by the ones holding them in captivity. They got killed by themselves. They lost hope and committed suicide. Yep. But the ones who said, "I don't care how long I'm in here, my joy will not be taken." Because remember this, it's all mindset. It's true. It's mindset. That's why Paul said, set your mind on things above. 
I've taught this so much on the broadcast. As a man thinks in his heart, so, so is he. You will experience the reality of what you believe to be true. If you believe it's true, that will be the reflection of your life. If you believe you're nothing, you'll act like nothing. Every time. You'll let people talk to you like you're nothing. Yes. But people who don't believe they're nothing, they believe they're somebody, they have dignity, they have that self-respect that they have a confidence in who Christ has made them to be. They don't let people talk down to them. They don't let people disrespect them. They don't let people treat them like they're nobody and like they're nothing. They they end those relationships and create boundaries. Why? Because they know. Why would they talk to me like that? I'm not a nobody. I'm not nothing. I'm not stupid. I'm not a failure. I'm a I'm a child of the king. It's good. It's all mindset. Yep. You will experience the reality of what you believe to be true. That's it. Uh, do you remember that, that show that was on, I think it's the History Channel? It's still running for all I know. It's called Alone. Yes, that's a you know, good show. Yeah. If, I don't know if you guys have ever seen that show Alone, but um, one of the things that's interesting, it's a show where they, they go on YouTube and find people that claim to be survival experts. Yeah. And then they, they bring them out and um, they put them in survival situations. And what they have to do is they get to pick 10 items from a list to take into the wilderness. And they leave them out there by themselves and they have to record themselves on a video camera and, and take, take all the footage of their survival. They have to find their own food, right. create their own shelter. And here's the weird thing about the show. There's no time limit. It could last as long as, because here's the thing, the, 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 where they position the people, they could never find each other. There's actual barriers that keep them from getting to one another. Yeah. So they're truly alone. And uh, you don't know if anybody else in the show has tapped out. You, you don't know what anybody else is doing. You could be the last two people left or you, all 10 people could be left. Right. And you have to stay there surviving. Well, I've watched that show one of the things I notice, and this is crazy, I've seen people, and you know it's true as you watch it, they will actually create an accident so they can leave the show. Oh, I believe it. They'll they'll lose their knife <laughs> or they'll accidentally cut yep. themselves, whatever it might be. Oh, I dropped my knife in the water. I don't know where it is. Yeah, I, I don't have a cutting I tool. I have to go home. And then they ring the bell and they come pick them up. But the, but the problem is this. The people, the, what I've noticed from watching the show and it's funny to me that there's been multiple Christians that have won the show. One guy that won it was a missionary. That's cool. I didn't and, know and, that. and it really, one of the things that uh, is interesting, if you've ever watched it, is that when the people are alone and their time's not be taken up by creating a shelter or getting food or whatever, when they're alone with their thoughts at night, one of the things I notice about that show is most people cannot live alone away from the noise with their own thoughts. Their lives are filled with regret. Sure. Their lives are filled with anxiety. Their lives are filled with thoughts that bombard them. And you'll see on the show that they'll sit there and start confessing into the camera and just start crying in their tent at night. It's like, I, I don't know if I should even be out here. I mean, Sad. their mind overtakes them. They cannot. And that's interesting to me that multiple Christians have won the show that have internal peace. They can be out there by themselves with the comfort of the Holy Spirit and don't. it doesn't bother them at all. And it's interesting to me that... That you look at that, it's the mindset. I can do anything if I believe what God said about me. Hands down. Hands down. Like, you got to think about it. If faith sees into the future, right. and you're confident with, with what God has said, who he said that you are, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what anybody else says. Like, you got to... Yeah. 
Imagine the community around Noah. How yeah. foolish they must have thought he was. Didn't matter because faith saw the future. Walking around the walls of Jericho, like some of the strongest, they, what, two chariots could go across the top. You imagine the inside thought from the people inside the walls. Like, yeah. what are these jokers doing? They're oh, yeah. so stupid. This and you know the, the wall. Foolish the walls were so majestic. Oh, and yeah. so wide. They said that you could run chariot races around yeah. the top of the walls. They were massive. Crazy, but... Because they could see into the future, it didn't matter mm -hmm. what any outside force w would say. It didn't matter what any outside force could look like. Yep. They were secure in seeing the future and what it already held. No question. And that's, I think, one of the most important things is that faith sees the future. Yes. And we need to Put hold it in the on comments. to it. Put it in the comments section. Faith sees the future. Faith sees the future. That's a key. You have to understand, faith looks into what will right. be because see it sees that it sees it in the now because it's in That's the right. unseen realm faith is looking into the unseen realm and That's sees it. it as though it's now people that are outside of faith will only see it when it manifests in the future that's right pastor Rhonda spencer love you look at this um people are saying see this is what's happened during the quarantine that's oh, what the so quarantine true. how many people have you said that that realized we, we didn't really have a strong connection with Christ. Yeah. As a pastor, and speaking, and Pastor Rhonda's on here now, we've seen a lot of people who, they had a strong serving relationship in the church. They had a strong attendance at church. They tithed, but being disconnected from the house, they're realizing maybe I wasn't connected to the true vine. I was just connected to his house. Right. And it's, it's almost damning. Yeah, yeah. It's been, it's almost good. It's an exposing of like, oh my goodness. Not that church is bad ever. Church is, no, we, is need we need church. Don't forsake this, the assembling yourselves together, especially in these last times. Right, right. But we need to be connected to Christ. And when we're no connected question. to Christ and his church, that's the game changer. Well, here, I, I, think, of, I think of it this way. If, if the only spiritual nutrients you're getting is, is at church on Sunday, you'll yeah. starve. Every you'll time. starve spiritually. Because Christianity is not a once a week relationship. No. Just like you couldn't only <laughs> eat food one day a week. You can't just eat one meal on Sunday morning and then go the rest of your week and not eat anything again or drink anything right. again. You'll die. I like to think about it with the disciples like Matthew 419. Jesus didn't say, hey, follow me. I'll be back on, on Saturday for, for Sabbath and I'll see you in the temple. Mm-hmm. And I'll be back. You guys just keep doing whatever you're doing. No, follow me and I'll make you into fishers of men. You look at Luke 9, 23. If anyone desires to come after me, they must first deny themselves, take up the cross, and follow me. Mm -hmm. Not weekly, daily. Daily. It's a daily following of daily. Jesus and being connected, as he said in John 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. That we're connected to the true vine. Well, And you, and you know that... Um, it continued even after Jesus was gone because if you go into Acts chapter 3, what what picture do we have? Peter and John, yeah. all of the people going up into the temple at the hour oh, of prayer. Cool. That's good. They went in daily and had uh, time with the Lord and spent time in prayer and there was time in the Word. How about this? Look in Acts chapter 4 when the Bible says that um, the apostles realized that if we're going to be effective— we cannot concern ourselves yeah, with, with things that don't pertain to our ministry. Yep. So what did the apostles do? They raised up they holy work. men that would do the other things that needed to be done because the apostles said, we need time to pray. 
We need time to read and study the word. We need time to minister to the people. That's right. And so they prioritize that. And you have to. That's why we're doing this Bible reading challenge. We're teaching you to prioritize what is truly important every single day. That's it. That's why I really wanted you guys to go back to the podcast, episode 1805, and listen to the power of the 224 rule. And we talk about tithing your day to God. Good. Giving a tithe of your day, which if you give it out, the actual uh, 10% of your day in minutes is two hours and 24 minutes. That's why we call it the 224 rule. And we suggest to you, and I, I know other men did this. David Wilkerson yep. did it. Other men have done it. We encourage you to give an hour in prayer, an hour in the study of the word, and then for about 25 to 30 minutes, listen to preaching and teaching and build up your faith. Alicia said, tell me more about the Bible reading challenge. If you'll go, just to give you a heads up, to miracleword.com forward slash study, we're reading the New Testament in 30 days. There's a downloadable uh, Bible reading plan as well as videos to help you as you study uh, the Bible. And uh, get involved. You're not too late. Jump in where you're at and uh, and get running with us. It doesn't matter that you didn't start with us on day one. Get in right now yep. and start going. And if you want, I said to somebody last night, overlap it into next month and start with the days you missed. Just go into next month. But get the Bible reading plan and start today. Don't. The word of God is the most powerful force in the universe. Hands down. If it's not filling you up, you're missing out on power and bread and nutrients in the spirit that you could be having. Right. It's, it's hindering your purpose. And your faith will die. Right. Period. Your faith will die. It will only dwindle and it will eventually pass away if it's not fed. No question about that. Absolutely it's no sad. question. It's really sad. And that's where I think we see people, what they'll do is they'll start off on fire. They'll get a promise. They'll get called out maybe in a service or in their personal time with Jesus. They'll hear something. And the longer they go. Mm -hmm. the more discouraged they become. Mm -hmm. But I was thinking about this. Man, like Sophia is five. And two years ago, she, she got excited about Christmas, right? Like she's three years old, excited about Christmas. But she doesn't understand what a calendar is. Right. So yeah. she she come to me. She'd be like, Dad, it's almost Christmas. It's like, it's January 12th. <laughs> like, yeah, babe, it's Christmas is coming. You're yeah. right. And it's like, what, June now? She's like, it's almost Christmas. Christmas is closer. I'm like, babe, you're right. Christmas is definitely closer. It's November. She's like, it's Christmas tomorrow. It's like, yeah. you know what? It's not tomorrow. Yeah. But I promise you, it's very close it's and very it's close. coming. We get to like December 23rd. It's Christmas tomorrow. It's like, babe, I can tell. You can see all the signs, the trees right. up. It's not Christmas yet, but in two days, it's Christmas. Mm -hmm. See, she didn't understand the calendar that Christmas is December 25th when right. she's going to get her presents, but she trusted her father that Christmas was coming. Right. So whenever she'd bring it up, it's almost Christmas. It's almost Christmas. You know what? You're, you're closer to yeah. Christmas. She never got discouraged when I said Christmas isn't today. Right. What she'd say is, oh, I believe my dad that I'm another day closer to the sure. promise that I'm looking for. And really, that's how our faith should be. Our, if our faith is diminishing, we're failing. 
but it's we're another day closer. Imagine Abram and Sarah waiting for for Isaac. Yeah. We're another day closer, and because yeah. they stop believing that at one point, they go and they make their own provisions for it, mm-hmm. almost screw up the promise. But the reality is, you're just a day closer. You are not farther away from your promise of faith. That's right. You are a day closer to your promise of faith. No question. And when we keep that faithful expectation, when we hold on to the promise, as Hebrews 10, 23 says, Mm -hmm. holding tightly, grabbing a hold of the promise, never letting go, no matter what happens, you're a day closer. You're not farther. There's no reason to be discouraged. That's right. It's time to take more courage that because it wasn't yesterday, it could be today. That's right. And I'm a day closer. Closer to what Jesus Christ promised me. No question. No question. I'm closer. I'm closer. Put that in the comments. I'm closer than I've ever been. That's so good. Closer than I've ever been. The more you stay faithful. It's funny because I heard um, uh, Bishop Boyadepo mention this even. He said, um, it's crazy. We have people that will leave church for two weeks. Oh, and you so think, true. you know, it takes it takes a long time to fall back into an old oh, way of living. No. He said, we've le- we've had people that left church for two weeks and fallen back into a life of sin. We see them eight months later and they've, they said, we should have never stopped uh, being faithful to God. We completely lost out on our relationship and have to come back and repent. It doesn't take long for the enemy to try to move in. When you give him room, he'll take all the room you give him and more. Oh my goodness, yes. And more. Uh, hand me that uh, further faster copy right there. I want to show you this because this is an interesting... Um, this is an interesting uh, story. This is in chapter five. Is that the one? Is it in chapter five? Don't be a bastard. That's <laughs> chapter five of the book, if you didn't know. It's not in chapter five. Um, but one of the things I was reading, and this really stirred me up, there was a, a story, and I could recite it to you if I don't see it right here in the, in the book. But there was a story that I saw. Let's see if it's in, the, in that chapter. Um, there's a story that I saw that this man was going out during the gold rush. And those of you that are reading the book will have come across this, um, come across this story in the book during the gold rush in the, uh, what was it? The 1800s? I believe so. They, everybody was running out to California, uh, as gold was being discovered everywhere. So this dude from, I think he was from Maryland. He went all the way out, uh, to California, bought the tools that were necessary to, to start mining and goes in, well, all of a sudden, he he hits a vein of gold. And he starts mining this gold, and he gets it tested. It's like pure. He's like, man, this is insane. So he goes and tells his family back in Maryland, like, we have found the gold. And uh, we need to sell everything we can and buy huge machinery to start mining this gold. And so they go back out, and they start mining and mining. And what happens is, is that they run out of the vein. They missed the vein oh. and they've spent all this money, got all this equipment, pretty much sold everything they have to get the equipment. Yeah. And they, they think, man, if we could get, we're going to hit this. And now, now that we found the vein carts and carts of gold are going to start coming out and we're going to be filthy rich. Well, they go in and, uh, they, they lose the vein and it's completely dried up. There's no gold and they've spent everything. And so they get all discouraged and they go sell all the equipment for pennies on the dollar, like literally right. pennies on the dollar. A dude buys it and buys the mine and then uh, it goes back and hires uh, like a prospector kind of guy comes in and he said, man, what those people didn't realize was how fault lines shift. 
He said fault lines shift all the time. And he said if they would have understood that about mining, they right. kept digging. And that guy said, no, there's plenty of gold in this mine. But they, they lost the vein because the fault line had shifted. They quit drilling. And when they went in, they had stopped drilling three feet from the... No. From the yeah. They, start, they stopped drilling three feet from the most massive gold deposit. And this dude bought it for pennies on the dollar, bought their mine, went in wow. three feet drilling, found the most massive gold deposit that had ever been found. And they started mining out a fortune, a fortune. But all that happened was they quit too soon. What, also, they quit too soon because they didn't understand. Yep. No, and no how knowledge. many people don't understand their father? Yeah. They don't understand. My people are destroyed. For a lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge. And if you look at like, okay, you are a son or a daughter of God. That's right. Period. And then you start looking at what does he say about being a son or a daughter? You think yeah. about Matthew 7. Right. Like an earthly father knows to give good gifts. Good when gifts. their son asks for bread, he doesn't give him a snake. How much does your heavenly father know how to give good gifts? Yes. Man, you think God's going to, if you haven't, you need an understanding of his God. nature, his, his character, very nature, his love for his children. That's right. Why would he promise you something just to destroy you? There's no reason for that. But when we understand and we don't give up, that's it. We'll always reach the promise every single time. No question. It's patient endurance. The reason that's I, it. we we put this in the com, in the the title of the description, eighty percent of Christians won't do this. There's yeah. a reason why the majority of believers don't walk in victory. That the reason that most are struggling, the reason that most go from crisis to crisis instead of victory to victory, there's a reason. And the reason is because it takes faithful, patient endurance of obeying the word of God. It has to become, see, one of the things that I've learned about people is if they think it's a get rich quick scheme, oh, yeah. um, every, every, and I'm not saying God doesn't move fast or can't move fast. He absolutely can right. and absolutely does. Miracles are, happen all the time. That's right. But what I'm saying is the Bible teaches us the just shall live by, not miracles, the just shall live by faith. That's an important point. The Bible doesn't say the just shall live by miracles or the just shall live by signs and wonders. It says the just shall live by faith. And faith is a daily walk. Faith is every action you take. See, that's when, when you realize if you do the study on it, we've been using the analogy of, of working out and dieting. Yeah. They tell you that the average person who diets Within a short period after they hit their goal and come off the diet, they're right back to where they started. Oh, yeah. The majority of worse. them. Yeah. Eight to eight out of 10 or more. Well, why is that? Because they used it as a get my uh, solution quick scheme mm -hmm. instead of this is going to become my lifestyle. And that's it. If you don't change your that's lifestyle it. and you're just doing something for a little bit to get a, a result you want. It will never be something that brings you never-ending victory because you might catch a little result. And like you said, they might get excited in a service or get healed right. in a service or something happens. And then five weeks later, they're down there. They don't even attend church anymore. Well, why? Because you were using church or the presence of God like a drug coming in every week. I got to get my dose of the Holy Ghost so that I can feel better about myself and go back to my crappy lifestyle. And the problem is you don't use church and you don't use the presence of God like a drug. He's a lifestyle. He, he's not a supplement. He's a lifestyle. That's good. Write that in the comments. God is not a supplement. He's a lifestyle. God is not a supplement. He's a lifestyle. And so you have to understand that. Because we don't use the presence of God uh, as just a means to get the things we want. It is a lifestyle. We I taught on this last That's night. Good. 
if you'll make it a lifestyle, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. No, Psalm 84, 11, no good thing will he withhold no from those that really. walk uprightly. You have to continually walk, walk, walk the walk of faith. God is not a supplement. He's a lifestyle. That's exactly right. It's not a life. It's a lifestyle, not a quick fix. You have to continually walk. You know, people could look at guys like me or you and say, well, they're young, but God's blessed them. But the thing they don't realize is part of it is that we are, are experiencing the blessings of impartation from previous generations. That's right. But then also, you know, you can't look at me at 38 years old and be mad about how God has blessed me. I've been I've been in Holy Ghost services every night of my life since two weeks old, and then uh, I've been tithing since I was old enough to count what ten percent was. Actually, before that, I've <laughs> yep. been giving faithfully since a boy. I've been praying. I was filled with the Holy Ghost and started praying in tongues at the age of five. I've been reading the Bible as long as I could read. You know, I've been faithful. I gave up things that you know I could have had. You know, I, I've told you about this when I played on a state championship basketball team. I. I whether it cost me playing time or not, I told the coach, if you call any games or any practices on Sundays or Wednesdays, yeah. you'll not see me because I'll be at the church praising God. I led the praise and worship team in the youth group. I said, God is first. When you put God first over other things consistently throughout your life, he puts you first. So don't get, you can't, that's why you that's said right. don't compare yourselves with others no. be, because the problem is you don't know their story. You don't know how long they've been going after it. You don't know how long they've been praying, fasting. You don't know what they've been giving. You don't know their seeds. I remember one time I was preaching at your church and something hit me and I started uh, I started preaching this. It'd be a good thing for you to write down. Don't judge my praise. You don't know where I've been. You oh, remember that service? Goodness. Yes. And I that started was so singing good. it. That I started. Was so good. <laughs> Love you, Danny. Uh, don't judge my praise. You don't know where I've been. How can you look at me shouting and dancing through the church? Say, well, he's a little overboard if you ask me. <laughs> if you knew what God's done for me, then you wouldn't judge my praise like that. Don't judge my praise. You don't know where I've been. You yep. don't know what God's done for me. How can you get mad about how much I'm happy that the presence of God is moving if you don't know my testimony, if you don't know what I prayed for and then Good. what he did? If you don't know that, how can you judge what, how I'm praising and worshiping my God? You can't. You don't know my story. You don't know my story. And that, see, it was the patient endurance. In times, it looked dark. In times, I got bad reports for a, from a doctor. In sure. times, it looked like it was going to all be over. And it looked like life was ruined. And we kept standing on the promises of God. And we kept pouring out the anointing oil. And we See? kept on praising and thanking God. And now that God came through for me, I'm going to praise him as desperately as I did when I was believing for the miracle. Sweet. Don't judge my praise. You don't know where I've been. And, th and that's the key, is that it took faithful endurance to get where I am now. Right. Well, also, don't judge my praise. You don't know where I've been. But don't judge my blessing. You don't know how faithful I've been. You don't know what I gave. You don't know what I gave. Like, <laughs> that's right. You don't know anything. And that's why it's so important to stop <laughs> measuring yourselves amongst yourselves. I had a guy it's jump on the broadcast. This guy came on the broadcast yeah. and he was like, <clears throat> he was like, oh, you're asking all these people to sow seeds. I bet you've never sown anything. I said, buddy. Shut up. If you saw my giving statement just from last year, you would pee your religious pants. <laughs> you would pee your pants if you saw how much money I've given away in one year. You wouldn't believe it. See, people like that don't understand. 
that yeah. it's it's not it's not about giving for the for the purpose of giving. Giving's a system that gets you blessed. Hands God down. gave us giving so we could be blessed. It's like yeah. you think God who sits on a throne walks on streets of gold with a gate that's made out of one pearl needs your $40 seed. He doesn't need it. He doesn't need it. You need to sow it because it brings you the blessing. See, we've seen a lot of people they're like Oh, his tabernacle just wants to be open so they can collect more tithe money. It's like, all right, well, if we were that dumb that we didn't have online giving right. first, like yeah. we're, we're really dumb. But in reality, like we would be damning somebody by not giving them the opportunity to give. Of course. We would be fools to not give someone an opportunity to give to the Lord. Because it's a principle. You it's, know, when I, Brother Shambach, so many of you that um, you may not remember him, go look him up on YouTube. Powerful man Do of God. Uh, R.W. Shambach. S-C-H-A-M-B-A-C-H. Right. Shambach. Um, powerful revivalist. Powerful man of God. All the meetings he would hold under his tent were in the inner city in the projects. There you go. With the most abject poverty that we have in the United States. He'd go into Harlem. He'd go into the south side of Chicago. He'd go into Camden, New Jersey. He would go uh, into south central LA. He, he would go all, all of the ghetto spots in the projects. Those would be the people that would come under his tent. Yep. Do you think that he said, well, you know, I know what kind of poverty you're in. We're not going to receive an offering because you're impoverished. No. He said, everybody get ready to get excited. It's offering time. That's right. It's offering time. And let me tell you, I was in a service one time with him and we were in the city and uh, some religious white bread, uh, you know, middle class <laughs> dude. White bread. <laughs> and I, I can say I can say that because I'm white. But uh, some dude came into the tent, and um, and he was getting ready to take the offering. And there yeah. was thousands of people under the tent. They were shouting, "It's time to get blessed!" And uh, this guy stands up and interrupts the service. He said, "You poor life choice." Oh yeah, it was stupid to do. But this guy stands up in his little white suit. He had a white suit on. This guy stands up and he goes, "Uh." You are robbing these people. You don't care about them. You know, he starts going off in the service. I'm watching this, you know. You don't care about these are poor people thinking that he's on the people's side. Right. You know, like they're going to agree with him. You, you're you robbing these people. He nope. made the mistake of not realizing how much the people love Brother Shambach. I mean, right. let me tell you, some of those mamas came out of their seats Took their slipper off. I promise <laughs> Yo, you. Had, take the church hat off. No, no, no. I saw. Off. I saw at least four women. I saw at least four women take their earrings out. Like I'm. They're like brother Shambach. If you're not going to say, I'm going to beat the man. It's time. Like I'm not kidding you. They came out of their seats. They all stood to their feet. You know, brother Shambach's answer was classic. He's like, you're robbing these people. You're you're just they, you don't care about them. You're still. He said, brother Shem, turned you know as he only could do with his elbow on the pulpit. He said, I've been waiting for you, devil. <laughs> it was classic. I've been waiting for you, devil. And then he launched into what the system of seed time and yeah. harvest does. What giving and receiving does. And let me tell you, the whole tent was on their feet. Praising God. Oh, I believe I mean, it. the whole tent. I believe it. You know why? Because it's not the people who need a blessing that get mad at seed time and harvest. That's right. It's the people who've gotten comfortable in their blessing and think they're the ones that brought it to themselves. You know, well, you know, I got this with my own two hands and I worked for this. The people that need miracles and need financial increase, they're not the ones saying, I can't believe you'd taken on. They need the blessing. 
They right. need the breakthrough. And uh, they would give. They would give. And the testimonies would roll in. He'd have them come up on the platform and take I one testimony it. after another. Tell them what God did for you. Tell them the breakthrough that happened. Tell them. And they would just, Brother Shambach, I live right down here in the project. And yeah. I'm, I'm telling you. Miracle after miracle after miracle would take place because the system is not man's system. It's God's system. That's right. And there's a real reason we're, we're saying this. People that are on, the Lord's speaking to you to sow a seed. No question about it. There's the information if he's telling you to do it. But I'm telling you right now, it's a system for you. It, and this whole system we're talking about, it, it's the same in sowing and reaping. Hands people, down. You can't say, well, I sow. I've actually had people write me and say, and, and, and this, was, this would be a great uh, example. My uncle, Pastor Terry Shuttlesworth, when I was working, someone came to him and said, well, Pastor Terry, I tried that, uh, the sowing that you're preaching all the time. He said, it didn't work for me. I didn't see any harvest come back. He said, brother, this was the greatest answer. He said, brother, uh, we have to determine one thing. Either what you, either you're true or the Bible is true. That's good. Either God's lying or you're lying. He said, no, I'll tell you what happened. He said, you did see a harvest come back from your giving. It was just so small, you didn't notice it. Because there's always a harvest that comes back on seed. That's good. He said, so what happened was the seed you released was so small that when the harvest came back, you didn't recognize it as a harvest. That's good. And this is when he made a, 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 a statement that I'll never forget. He said, if you, and this, he was referring to the seed that you're releasing. He said, if you feel it when it goes, you'll feel it when it comes back. Think about that. I want you to put it in the comments. If you feel it when it goes, you'll feel it when it comes back. Talking about the seed. If your flesh is kicking and screaming around about it and getting all uncomfortable and telling you not to do it, but your spirit man and the Holy Ghost is saying, do it, it's the word for your life. If you feel it when it goes, you will feel it when it comes back. How do you know? Because the Bible says, with the same measure. Isn't that right? That's right. With the same measure. Go there, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It's very important. The measure that you release is the measure that comes back. That's right. And I'm going to show you a secret that almost nobody knows, a secret that nobody talks about. Listen to this. The Bible says, you'll be enriched in every way. I love that. But listen to this. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. How is that? Because... When the seed goes out, if it's a sparing seed, what does it produce? A sparing harvest. Right. But whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Meaning if the seed that you sow is a bountiful seed, a generous seed, so will your harvest be. I love this. Galatians chapter six, go there. Let me show you that real quick. And you've lived this lifestyle. You know what I'm talking about. Your parents have lived this lifestyle. Your family does. Look at this. The Bible says in Galatians six, seven, do not be deceived God is not mocked right. for whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. That will he also reap. So understand That's right. is that God, and here's what blows people's minds that they don't know, that most people never are taught, never, never hear this. This blows people's mind. Think about it. God doesn't judge what you sow by what you sow. Do you ever think about that? He doesn't judge what you sow by what you sow. He judges what you sow by what's left over after you sow. And here's the, here's the story that proves that. Jesus is in the temple. Watching the watching giving. The giving. Yep. Rich men are coming down, throwing their gift into the... But then here comes a woman with two mites. Two mites. That's it. She places them with care into the receptacle. 
And Jesus turns to his disciples and says, she gave more than all these rich men. Their minds are blown. They're like, hold on. They've, did you see what they're given? They're given huge offerings. He said, but what you don't know is they gave out of their abundance. She gave all she had. He judged what she gave, not by what she gave. Because remember, it was two mites versus who knows how much those rich men were dropping in. Let me ask you a question. If two people gave the same seed, does it mean the same thing? No. If, if a millionaire gave a $1,000 seed and then someone who had $1,800 in the bank gave a $1,000 seed, do those both mean the same thing? No. Not even close. Not even close. Because the rich man, the, the millionaire, doesn't even feel it. And the person who gave a thousand that only has eighteen hundred feels it severely. They their flesh is kicking and screaming, don't do it. But what it. the Lord said, do it. And if he said do it, then the then the harvest is coming back. It's not about what you give, it's about what's left over. I've seen a lot of people, what they'll look at is like, man, that's a lot of money. I, this is a big deal. The reality is you'll waste that money somewhere else anyways. Well, you it's look at, better to give it to the kingdom you know what's than funny? to squander it at Nike.com. <coughs> it's funny to me that uh, people, the mindset that people have changes about an amount of money that's based true. upon what it's for. That's true. People don't so think true. anything about dropping five grand for a Disney trip. That's true. But have they ever dropped five grand in an offering plate? People don't think anything about dropping $800 for a flat screen TV that they want. But have you ever put 800 in an offering plate? That this, this right here is why we made, Carolyn and I made a rule for our lives that we will never do more for each other than we've done for the Lord. Wow. So that's our, that's our rule for life. So the rule is this, I'll never buy her something that we already haven't done much more for the Lord first. I would never buy her a $1,000 piece of jewelry if we've never given a $1,000 seat in a church. I'll never do that. But that goes back to Matthew 6, 30, but seek ye first. first. Seek ye first. First. And then all these things will be added unto you. Man, I, for our family, me and Mindy, we are so excited about the future. Because yeah. we know the so, the seeds we've sown. That's right. And we cannot wait. I, I don't care if people are mad. Yeah. They don't know. Like, oh, we did the math. And this is this was really cool when we did the math. Over the last three years, we've given to the Lord one year's worth of salary. Come on. And we're going to keep at that every year. Thank more you, More and more and more. And I'm excited to see what God does in our life. Yeah. And, and how he blesses us. And I, I'll I'll never ask for forgiveness. Come on. I'll never be bashful about no. what God has done because they don't never. know what I've given. No. Nope. They have no idea what we've sacrificed. The time's... Multiple times we've emptied the bank account. That's right. Where we gave an entire tax return one year. Most people are like, oh, I'll give a little bit. No, yeah. no, Lord, here it is. It's all yours. That's it. it. You're going to be okay. Yeah. You're the thing is, be okay. don't ever let someone shame you for the level of blessing you walk in. Never. When you understand the level of sowing you live in. Because the only reason they're not there is because they're not willing to do what you do. I love what, what uh, look at here. Look what Brandon said. He said, that rule of honor that you taught me was a watershed event for me. The rule of honor. You honor God yeah. first. God, God is always first. If you'll put him first, he'll put you first. It's every time. Every time. If you'll put him first, he'll put you first. And so this is what we're talking about. In every area of your life, you, you have to have patient endurance you know, my father, when I was growing up, I always used to uh, preach a message, powerful message, 
I think I may have preached it a few times after hearing him. But he used to, <laughs> he used to preach a message called the season of your faith. It's good. What happens in that time period between when you ask God for something and when it happens? That period in between those two events is the season of your faith. Is that when you're going to let your faith waver? Are you going to be lied out of your promise? Are you gonna Are you gonna back so, off your faith? It's so good. What it's are you so doing true. in that time period? The season of your faith. The the moment you pray and ask God, and the moment He does the thing, and the manifestation comes. Yep. There's a time period that's re- what's required: faithful endurance. That's it. Confessing the word, believing the word, standing on the word. I refuse, like you said, put my blinders on. That's it. I will not be taken off of my purpose. I'll yeah. not be taken off my miracle. Never. Ever. And like, even for us, like I was leaving the gym in November Mm -hmm. and I just felt the Lord say, Hey, ask me for this. That's it. Okay. I'll ask you for this. Was it May? Don't have it yet in the physical, but I keep thanking him for it in the natural. It's going to happen. I will receive what he asked, what he told me to ask him for. That's right. Period. That's right. And there's no reason that for me to go out and buy it mm-hmm. when in my mind, in my spirit, I already have it. Right. But that's the importance because it's really easy to go on and like search or like, man, I wonder what they're going for. Right. I wonder this. And that's why having people in your life is so important. Like a wife where she's yes. like, what are you doing, dummy? Yeah. Why are you even looking that up? Right. Like, well, it's not. Not a lack of faith. I'm just curious. Right. But it's it, it. you will have it. Do not give up. It will happen. You're a day closer. That's right. You're a day closer. Thank you, Jackie, for sowing a seed. If you want to sow a seed, the information's on the screen. You know that's what happened to us. Let, let me give you this quickly before I pray for you guys. I mean, we moved to Florida only on an instruction from the Lord. There you go. I had no reason to move here. I had no reason to come. Beautiful home in Virginia. Had all my family there. Just a great place to be. Wonderful church. Everything's great. I had no reason to come. I didn't even like Florida. Be honest with you. I didn't even like Florida. I still don't like most parts of Florida. But understand this. We moved here just by an instruction from the Lord. God blessed us with a house over here that we were looking for something nice and it was a rental property. And we rented it for a couple years. And then out of the blue, I want you to think about this. Out of the blue, the owner of the home wanted to sell it and uh, basically put us in a position of hardship. I mean, basically wanted us out within five weeks. We'd lived there for two years. Our stuff's all in there. I got three kids. I'm on the road nonstop. I was in Alaska when I got got the word from my wife. He wants us out of here completely in five weeks. And we've been, we are probably the best tenants you could ever have in a a rental home. First of all, we're almost never there to wear and tear it because we travel full time. Right. We always pay our rent. I mean, all that stuff. We're the best tenants you could have, full of integrity. We don't smoke. We don't have pets. We're, we're the best you could have. And he treats us like that. You no, know, I want you out in five weeks. And it puts us in a position of hardship. Well, I was praying. And of course, my wife found the house that we're sitting in right now online. And uh, it was more than we'd ever, we'd ever done. And I went golfing one day when I got back with Bishop Rick Thomas, our pastor. And we were out on the course. And I just, in passing, mentioned it to him. I said, I got this house I'm looking at. It's it's a beautiful house in a beautiful neighborhood. And I'll tell you, it, it's wonderful. And uh, it's just nobody, nobody's been able to get this house. You know, th- this house was here for two years. People weren't able to get it. And you know what he said? He said this. He said, when you put your heart on it, God That's will it. give it to you. There you go. 
That's what he said to me. Good. And he didn't say he didn't pull me aside like it was a big prophetic word. He said it almost in passing before he pulled his, his pitching wedge out and chipped a beautiful shot up next to the cup. <laughs> he said, "Let me tell you something. When you put your heart on it, God will give it to you." What is he saying? That if you make it the desire of your heart, it's good. God gives you the desires of your heart. The problem with most people is they don't have a focus of what they do want God to do. Remember this. If you don't have a pure focus, if you don't have something specific that you want God to do, how can he do anything? How can he do anything? You know, it's like people come through the prayer line. What do you want God to do? Oh, just whatever he's got for me. No, that's not an answer. The Bible says, make your requests known unto God. You've got to know something. You've got to believe. You have something right now specific you're believing for. Oh, yeah. And it's specific. It's not just vague. Well, I'd like to have him give me something like this. No, I know exactly what I want. You've Faith is exact. Faith is exact. It speaks something specific that you're believing for. That's why Jesus would ask people when he could plainly see what they needed. Look at Mark chapter 10. Who came up? Blind Bartimaeus. He comes over. He's probably got people leading him by the hand. He's blind. And he stood in front of Jesus. What do you think? Jesus was like completely oblivious and didn't know he was blind. He just threw off the garment that represented the fact he was a blind beggar and he came over probably being led by the hand. And even knowing he was blind, Jesus still asked, what would you like me to do for you? What would you like me to do? You know, I learned this the hard way. I've done it before. Thinking, seeing people come to the altar for prayer and I assumed what they were believing God for and it wasn't at all what they were coming up for. I was preaching here in Florida one time early on in our ministry. An old woman, I said, if you need prayer, come forward. And an old woman slowly came down on a walker. And I was all ready to pray that God would heal yeah. her crippling condition. She got to the altar, but I had learned this principle enough to know. Ask her for what she's believing for. Join your faith with hers. I said, sister, what do you want God to do for you tonight? You know what she said? I want God to save my niece. That was her prayer request. Wow. She wasn't asking for the crippling condition to be healed. So it would have been done me no good. I know what you need and start grabbing her knees and, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. she's believing for her niece to be saved. So that's where my faith will be joined. So Jesus had Bartimaeus, who he could clearly see was blind, but he still asked him, still asked him, because faith has to be specific. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do? Make your requests known unto God. And some of you that are sowing seeds, believing for something, you need to put a specific request into the Lord. Lord, this is what I'm believing for. This is what I'm asking you for. Don't just say, Lord, I'm praying that you give us a new house. That's too vague. Too vague. Don't say I'm believing for a new house. Say this, Lord, I'm believing for a house with four bedrooms and three and a half baths. I'm believing for a house that's two stories that has this, this, and this. And let me tell you, and I'm I'm not picky that way. Uh, Not that my wife is, but she had a vision of what she wanted. And do you know everything that she wanted, God gave us? Everything. Everything. I could sleep on a futon in a back alley. That's how easy. (laughs) But my wife, she had a specific vision. My wife is a woman of vision. And she spoke that in prayer. And as Bishop said, when you put your heart on it, we put our heart on it. Did you know this? The Lord led me to put my heart on this before I even knew I was putting my heart on it. I would leave my neighborhood, which was all the way across the street. And for no reason other than I just did it, I would walk into this neighborhood and walk it every day and pray in the Holy Ghost four miles and just pray in the spirit. I probably passed this house 20 times a day praying in the Holy Ghost. There was no for sale sign in the yard. There was no sign it was for sale. My wife, by by chance, found it on Zillow. 
The Holy Ghost had me walking around like this was like, like this was Jericho, walking around this prayer. I came over here with a bottle of oil when we found it online and anointed the outside. That's Neighbors it. probably thought we were nuts. <laughs> we didn't have anything that was uh, uh, approved or an offer. That, we just put uh, our hands on it and said, it's ours. Put our heart on it. It's good. It'll be yours in Jesus' name. Right. And when you confess it, remember this, because what we've been teaching all day, once you put your heart on it, once you declare it's yours, once you ask the Lord, don't take your heart off. Ever. Don't. Even depending how it looks. Don't. That, 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 I think that's the biggest one. That's right. People, it's not exactly how they thought it would be, and yeah. they scrap it. We had a mom. She, uh, her daughter was wayward, and she gave us, us uh, she sewed into conference. She's like, I'm believing that my daughter will be saved this year because of conference. Thank you, Jesus. She sowed a seed. And her daughter skipped every single day of conference. And we talked to her that Sunday. She's like, no, I'm still believing. My daughter's going to get saved because of this conference. Yeah. Well, one of her friends got radically saved. And <laughs> she called him four days later and was like, I'm weeping. I'm depressed. Me and my friend hate our life. Come and talk to us. And that day, she gave her life to Jesus because the mom didn't give up her faith. Come on. And she sowed a seed in advance. God was faithful because she didn't scrap what she believed for or gave for. Come on. You put your request in. That's it. You ask the Lord by faith. Make it specific. He's looking for specific requests. Make your request known. What the, the desire of your heart, he will give you. And that's got to be your faith walk. It has to be the way that you do it. You have to stay. We don't draw back. We don't stop confessing. We don't stop believing. We declare it and we walk That's it out it. and we will see it. We'll hold it in our hand in Jesus' name. May, I want you to write it in the comments, everybody watching. May is my month of miracles. That's it. May is my month of miracles in Jesus' name. We're going to pray for you in just a moment, but I want you to declare it. This is by faith. May is my month of miracles in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. That's your month. Put it in. Write the vision. Make it plain upon tablets that they may run that read it. You can't Good. run with the vision if you don't know the vision. Amen. That's it. May is my miracle month. Let's put it in the comments. That's what we're declaring. May is our month. of. We will hold our testimonies in our hand by June 1st in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, no matter what it is you're believing for, you'll hold it in your hand. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We're going to pray the prayer of faith. I'm going to ask Pastor Cody Spencer to pray the prayer of faith over every one of God's people. Doesn't matter what you're battling today. We're standing with you. You might be sick and diseased. You might be depressed and anxious. Might need a financial breakthrough. Might need relationships to be restored. God is able. God is able to do what he said he would do. Amen. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above. Amen. That's right. Amen. Let's pray. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for every single person watching Thank this broadcast you, even right now. Lord, I pray that supernatural boost of faith inside yes. their heart even right now. Ooh, that those who might have been getting a little bit weary, that Lord, they, they are on 
fire again for the promises that you laid in the, in their hearts. Lord, I pray right now, I thank you that in this month of miracles, we will see a miracle. That, Lord, it won't go past the timeline, but in due season, they will reap a harvest for what they believe for. Yeah, yeah. So I pray and I release even right now. You said whatever was loosed on earth would be loose. So I pray and I loose miracles in the name of Jesus. Father, financial, salvation, situations, what a health, whatever it is, I pray a miracle into that situation even right now. Yeah. That there would be a clear and distinct shift. Father, not something minute, not something small, but something that is clear and evident and bringing glory to your name. Not only for their benefit, but so that they can point and say, it was Jesus Christ who did this, yeah. and we can see more added to the kingdom because of your faithfulness, because yeah. of your miracles, and we would see a mighty shift in this nation. Yeah. So Lord, in the name of Jesus, we release miracles inside of lives, yeah. even right now. Thank a you. specific response to specific faith, specific prayers, and specific yes, seeds yes. in the mighty name of Jesus, Jesus name. even today. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.